Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get into the Word of God this morning. We are in a series in 1 Thessalonians, and for the last few weeks, we have been camping out in this idea of how do we live a life not in vain. And we have been looking at Paul's life, and it's, it's very fascinating because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul starts to shift gears, and we start to kind of see who Paul was. How did Paul live? What, what were Paul's actions like on a day-to-day basis? And Paul, as he's writing to this church, he is reminding them who he is. This is how I lived when I was among you. And he says, you guys know this, and my time with you, I do not want my time with you to be in vain. And for the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at how Paul lived. Paul was bold. Paul was not afraid of man. Paul made it very, very clear, I do not live on this earth to please mankind. Paul was also gentle. He gives us this image of a nursing mother. That was how Paul treated the people there. Paul worked hard. He, did, he was not a burden to any one of them. Paul's conduct and his behavior was righteous and holy and honoring to God. And he finally said, like a father, he came and he encouraged and charged the church there. So we have been looking at how did Paul physically live? Well, today I kind of want to see what was Paul's heart like? What was burning inside of Paul? Because we see how Paul lived, we see Paul's conduct, we see how Paul treated them, but what was burning on the inside of Paul? And as you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you're going to see a glimpse of what was going on inside of Paul. And if you will turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13, and I'm going to ask for you to stand as we read the scriptures this morning, and we are going to finish off chapter 2, and we're going to go into uh, chapter 3. So I want your legs and your knees to be bent slightly, because sometimes if you keep your knees locked, you can pass out. So I just just want to warn you guys there, because we've got a, a, a little bit of a lengthy section to be reading here this morning. Well, let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And Paul says this, and he says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. Verse 16, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as, so as always to fill the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. 
I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or our joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, 3.1, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at, at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish you and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. By these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know now. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent you to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Let us pray. Father, as we look to your word today, as we come to seek you, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be changing and transforming our desires. Father, we ask for you to come now and minister to us and speak to us through your word. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated here. So the first thing you will notice in these verses is Paul was very concerned for these people. Paul had tried to get to them. He said, I, I wanted to come to you. I wanted to check in on you. I wanted to know how you were doing. And he said, I could bear it no longer, so I was left alone in Athens, and I sent Timothy. But what you see here is Paul had this deep concern for how they were doing. Now, I've said this pretty much every week, but if you remember how this church got planted, this church got started when Paul and Silas were on their missionary journey. And they were coming through, and they came there, and they were only with them for three weeks. Paul ministered to the church in Thess Thessalonica here. I can never say that name, but to the Thessalonians for three weeks. He had three weeks with them. He ministered to them. Many of them got saved. Many of them came to faith. But Paul is so concerned for them. And he is concerned because of what he knew that they would be facing. He knew that they were facing affliction and persecution. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, he says, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. Paul warned them. Paul says, listen, you guys are going to go through suffering there will be affliction. There will be difficult times ahead. Paul had already seen the writing on the wall because when Paul was there, he was chased out of town in the middle of the night because they wanted to be doing harm to Paul. But Paul recognized something here. He recognized, okay, you guys are young believers. I was with you three weeks, ministered to you then, but I knew what was coming for you. I knew that you were destined, he said, for suffering. But the reason why Paul was so concerned is because he knew what this does to the person. Have you guys ever, ever thought about this, that um, when you become a Christian, suffering becomes part of it? 
Now, I realize I'm saying this to a bunch of first world people and myself, right? Like we live still the greatest country. Like we don't really face the suffering persecution Paul did back then. But Paul recognized that when you become a follower of Christ, you are no longer a part of this world. And this world is going to become hostile to you. And Paul is concerned about this because he understands what can happen to you as you are facing afflictions. There is this story uh, that, that Jesus shares about a parable. And this parable is the, is the sower and the seed. And Jesus talks about what, what can happen when somebody hears the word of God and what those stages look like. Now, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard or read this parable, but I want us to turn to this parable because I see this parable and I see Paul's concern and they go hand in hand. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is giving this parable of the sower and the seed. And I want to I want to read this parable to you, and then right afterwards, Jesus explains it to us. But I believe Paul's concern is coming from what Jesus says out of this. And this is Matthew 13, starting in verse 3. We're just going to read a handful of verses here. It says, And Jesus, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. Verse 8, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Well, Jesus explains what this parable means. And I want to look at the first couple of soils here, and this is uh, 13 verse 18. So if you just jump down a few verses here, he says, When hear then the parable of the sower, this is what it means. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches it away that has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20 As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no roots in himself, but endures for a while. And read this next line. And when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Paul understood that this church was a young church. Paul went there, preached, the gospel, people came to faith, people gave their lives to the Lord, but Paul was concerned for them because he knew what was about to take place, and it did take place. Affliction came, persecution came, and Paul is concerned like, I don't want you to fall away. I don't want you to give up on this, on this following Christ here, because Jesus warns us that, that there will be people that will hear the word, and they will get really excited. It will be this emotional response to the word. And they are excited, but the moment persecution, the moment tribulation, the moment things become difficult, and the life is not going as they see plan, Jesus says, they wither, they fall away. 
So this is partially why Paul is so concerned for the church. He wants to see them thriving and doing well. And the amazing thing is, is that when Paul sends Timothy, he gets great news. If you read 1 Thessalonians all the way through, these people are doing really well underneath some harsh persecution. Jesus, or uh, Paul here, Paul here even says in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, he says, For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that is in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Now, you might be asking, how did they suffer? What were these people going through? Well, if you know what, was, what happened to the church in Judea, which I find it to be interesting, Paul was one of the first persecutors of the church. You know, Paul was there when they stoned Timothy. Paul, Paul stood on and wanted Timothy to die. And Paul here says he is so proud of them. He's like, listen, you guys, you guys are suffering, and you guys went through the same way the church in Judea did, which they would have been in prison, they would have been jailed, there would have been beatings. People went door to door. Paul was actually one of these people. Paul went door to door, knocking on people's doors, dragging them out into the streets if they were believers. And Paul is praising this church. But you see that Paul had this concern, but the concern was because of Paul's deep love for these people. Paul had a love for these people that, that you will see in these verses here. It's just flowing off of the page at how much Paul cared about these people. And I want us to focus in real quick at how much Paul loved them, how Paul had ministered to them. But turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. I want to look at these two verses for us real quick here. Paul says this about these people. Imagine these verses, if you can. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Paul always has eternity. I cannot express this enough. If you read Paul, if you read scriptures, Paul has eternity always fixated in his mind. Paul is always thinking ahead, and specifically ahead to Jesus' second coming. And Paul here says, when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes for the second time, what is our hope? What is our joy? or crown of boasting before him. Paul says, when Jesus comes and when I see him, what, is, where, what, what will be my joy? What will be my hope? What will I be boasting about when Jesus comes? Really think about this. When Jesus comes for the second time, when Jesus comes and when we stand before our creator and we see the one who loved us and died for us on that cross, when you see him, what will be your joy? What will be your boasting about? Paul here says something I think is absolutely amazing. He says, is it not you? 
He's literally saying this to these, to these church people. The church that Paul planted, and he only got to minister to them for roughly three weeks. And Paul, by this time, had ministered to thousands and thousands of people by this time. But Paul's fixation in his heart is on people. I mean, it, it, his heart is for these people. And I would say it's for, for people. Paul recognizes that when Jesus comes, when, when the second coming happens, when, when our Lord and Savior returns to this earth, the joy he has is the people he ministered to. And I think, I think this is some amazing scripture here because when we look at Paul's heart, I say, Lord, how do we get that heart? Lord, how <laughs> Paul's joy is for these people. That's his, that's his joy. And I think, Lord, like, how, do, how do we get that heart? Lord, how do, how, do, how do we have joy for people? Specifically, people that we get to minister to. And I so badly this week, as I've studied this and, and prayed about it, I, I, my prayer is that, God, you would give us the same heart Paul has. Lord, that we would look at our lives and not look at it in the temporary, but Lord, that we would look at it as Paul looks at it in the second coming. When Christ returns, that our hope and our focus would be on that and that we would have Paul's heart for the people around us. Because we know that one of the greatest sins within this country or just within mankind is just purely selfishness and just our own desires and our own wants and, and, and just putting ourselves first. And it's so within mankind. But Paul's heart for people. And I just think, church, church, how can we get that heart? How can when Jesus comes, when we see him coming and we are, are taken up to heaven with him, is your joy for the people that you bring with? Did you guys know that there's only one thing you can bring to heaven? Can't bring money, your house, anything, but you can bring people. I don't know if anyone has, like, like if you've ever thought about that. The only thing you can bring to heaven is people with you. Nothing else. Nothing. But that's why our heart for people, I, I want it to beat like Paul's heart did. That Paul's desire was, was just for them. And I think, I think oftentimes we don't experience this, or maybe we haven't experienced this yet. But I can tell you this. When you start to experience sharing Christ leading people to Christ, sharing the gospel, seeing people respond to the gospel, your heart drastically changes. Like, but I don't think it happens until we step out and say, God, I, I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be a part of your plan. Because, because all that Paul did was that Paul lived to bring the gospel to these people. And when he brought the gospel to them, his heart for them. He wanted them to succeed. He wanted them to, to cling to Christ. And I just know that until we start to step out in faith 
until we start to walk as, as the Lord calls us to walk and to bring this gospel to the world around us, I think there's a correlation between our heart for people and our willingness to bring the gospel. Because as Paul brings this gospel, the greatest news to mankind that, that, that God sent his son from heaven to come and die for us on that cross and be raised again, and our sins are forgiven, and we get to spend eternity with our creator, until we start to bring that message to the world around us, I think there's a major correlation to where our heart is. Because I can tell you, church, this isn't just for pastors. I know, I know oftentimes within churches, it's like, well, pastor, it's your job to bring the gospel. And, you know, it's, you need to be the one out there and tending to the people and, and loving people. And you guys know that I love you guys. But I'm telling you that when your heart begins to change and when you start to bring the gospel to the people around you and you see their lives transformed by the gospel, they do become your joy. They do. I cannot express that enough. I have seen people after people come to know Christ, and the joy within inside me changes. It's like, God, like I, I realize it's so easy to get fixated on the things of this world and my own personal desires and wants, but Lord, I want to have the heart that Paul had. I want to have your heart, because ultimately Paul's heart is simply God's heart. God's heart is for people. He wouldn't do all of this. He wouldn't send his son to suffer the most gruesome death and die on the cross by the hands of sinners if he wasn't madly in love with his creation. That, like, God loves his people. Scripture says that heavens rejoice. There's rejoicing, and there's joy, and there's like this party happening the moment one person repents of their sins and puts faith in Jesus Christ. And I think, I think church, we, I want us to have this heart. I want us so badly, I want myself to have Paul's heart here. I want us to look at people and the people I get to influence and speak the gospel to and share the gospel with, I want them to become my very joy. And I want you and me to have this heart together as a church family. That we would look at people radically differently. It's not just sinners and saints. It's, it's God, how can your gospel go forth here? Lord, who, who can I spend time with? Who can I be sharing this gospel message with? Lord, lead me, direct me. And, and the most amazing thing is, is that Scripture promises us that his Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you. He will like direct your step every single day. We just have to just be willing to say, God, use me because I want to have the heart that Paul has for these people. I want to have that heart in my life for the people around me and the people I get to minister to. And guys, this is my prayer for our church, for you and for me, is that we would say, God, I want this heart. God, I, I recognize I, do, I don't always have this heart every single day. I recognize I, I fall short often, God, but I praise you for your grace. But Lord, help me develop within me this heart for people. And I cannot, church family, I, I cannot express to you what it is like when you lead someone to Christ. I can't even, I can't even like express the joy 
the amazing things that God does within you personally when that happens. And, and, and some of you here might even just be like saying, Pastor, I've never, I've never led anyone to Christ. I, I don't even know what, it, what that would even look like in my day-to-day life. Like, say, like I, I have no idea how that even starts. And I would say it starts with bringing the gospel. It starts with finding avenues, finding conversations that will allow for the gospel message that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. Their sins can become forgiven if they put faith in Jesus Christ, in faith alone, by his grace. It's looking for avenues and inviting people into your home and spending time with them. And I will say this, I will warn you, all of this is time. Like, I cannot express this. The gospel is time. It's time with people. And that can be some of our most difficult thing to sacrifice. I can say, it's sometimes easy to sacrifice money. Sometimes you can just write a check and say, yep, okay. You know where it becomes really difficult? is our time. You all live busy lives. I, I, I know most of you guys here. You guys have got work, and you've got family, and you've got things going on, and there is, is a lot going on, but I would be praying, God, even, even at my workplace, Lord, give me a heart for these people, Lord. God, God, open up avenues, open up doors for this gospel message to go forth, and I, your heart will be changed. It's amazing at what God does when that takes place, when we walk in obedience and confidence in him. And what we see within Paul's life is, is Paul just simply lived this. And I want to encourage you and challenge you, church, for us to live this out as well. We want to be starting um, classes here, or not really classes, but like we have people here that are passionate about evangelism that, that have actually recently came to me and said, Pastor, I want to help people should bring this gospel message. Because I do think it takes a little bit of training because it, it's also like, like, it's like, how do you do this? And, and there's, you know, like, it becomes kind of awkward. And like, what does this look like here? I want us to, to know how to bring this gospel message and how to be sharing it. And I believe, guys, our heart changes. When we start walking in faith in the gospel going forth, our heart changes towards people. But I think oftentimes that if we, don't, if we don't walk in obedience to what God has, our heart can just, can just stay just not really joyful about the people, not really you know, loving them and caring for them. But as you, as you walk in faith and say, God, I want to bring this gospel, our heart changes right along with it. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray for us, and I'm going to invite the worship team forward. They're going to lead us in a song, A Cornerstone, and I think it's a very appropriate song because it fixes our eyes on Christ and what Christ has done for us. So as the worship team comes, I want to pray for me and for you this morning, and then we're going to sing, and then we're going to pray over, over offering here. But let me pray for us. Father, Father, I pray, Lord, for your heart to be within us. Father, we look at the world around us. We know that there are men and women within our lives and within our community and all around us that do not know you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness is what Paul had, that you'd give us gentleness, 
that you would help us to live out how Paul lived, but Lord, that you would give us Paul's heart for the people. Father, by your Holy Spirit, transform us. Father, we come to you today believing that you are the God who transforms and changes our hearts and our wills. Father, I ask for you to do that within me this morning. Father, as we sing this song, I ask that you would be working and moving on our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.